it would have been a whole different life, man. It would have been a different thing and experience of, uh, of rock and roll and music if I was like a great writer of fantastic pop singles and church sing-alongs. Hello there. Welcome to Green Room Door. This is episode 30 of the show and the season finale of our third season. I'm Dave Trout. Thanks for joining us. This is the show where we love to talk one-on-one with artists about the meaningful music and art that they are creating. Uh, And we have an amazing guest today. We're so excited, as you saw maybe in the title or on the image, that we are talking with Justin McRoberts for the whole hour, uh, an extended conversation with him. He's a very deep thinker, a a master communicator, and so uh, I think that you can just buckle your seatbelts for an amazing conversation. I'm so excited that Justin has a new EP out. We're going to be talking about that and a lot of other issues as well. Uh, Stick around. Um, You know, one of the reasons why I created the original Under the Radar show um, in 2008 was because I was discovering this whole new world of well-crafted, faith-inspired music that I didn't know existed because it wasn't on the radio. And uh, there were just a few artists that predated that. That gave me, they're sort of like the forefathers of gourmet music. Folks like Sarah Groves, Burlap to Cashmere, um, Cademan's Call, Andrew Peterson, and our guest today was one of them, Justin McRoberts. I've been listening to his music for over 20 years. First time I saw him in concert was, I think, 2001, 2002. It was, uh, he was an opening act on Cademan's Call's Long Line of Leavers tour. We had him as a guest at a couple of Escape to the Lakes. In fact, before we jump into the interview, let's listen to a bit of a live performance from the main stage at Escape to the Lake. Here's Justin McRoberts. Now I make the climb. I used to rush for the exit, and now I'm taking my time. Used to think all the answers had rhythm and rhyme. Oh, well, everything has changed, yeah. Everything has changed. Everything has changed for me. Yeah, yeah, One of the one of the reasons um, why uh, I have just loved following your work and um, just your heart um, is the way you guide people, you communicate with people, um, the way you challenge people, and I I personally uh, consider you my social media pastor. <laughs> awesome! It's for real. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's very meaningful the the way you interchange with people because oftentimes something will happen in the world and, uh, it's, it's very easy to me for me to say, I want to see what Justin says about this. (laughs) And, um, and you usually have 
you almost never fail to have something very poignant, very, very precise for that moment and uh, convicting and yet encouraging. So um, That's really I just, good. yeah, I'm really grateful for you and uh, Thank you. just your work. That's um, very good. And so I, I think it, I think it seems appropriate to begin the conversation talking about the biggest thing that's happening in our world right now, which is um, the protests, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think that for anybody who hasn't followed you for a while, I think it's very important that everybody knows that this is not something that you're responding to in the moment, but this is something that has been a part of your life. It's a part of your story. You've, you've talked about Black Lives Matter, about white privilege, about all these issues for years and years. It's not just a new thing. Um, but it seems like we're in this peculiar moment in history when a lot of people are waking up to injustice in a new and fresh way. So, you know, what, what are your current sort of thoughts on yeah, honestly, what's happening? The thing that makes it peculiar or the thing that's uh, it would be easy to say uh, that it's because it's louder. Um, it would be easy. It'd be easy to say like, it, you know, we've come to a boiling point and all those things are relatively true. I think um, there's, there's more noise. There's more news coverage to some degree. Um, I am going to say that the thing that makes the moment more peculiar is because it's actually blacker as a moment uh, that the voices that are central to it are black voices, mm. that the narrative is being more, the, the narrative is in the, is in the hands of, and in the control of black leadership, black storytellers, black prophets and teachers, uh, you know, black social media influencer types, uh, black podcasters, that it's a blacker moment. And that's part of why it's as peculiar as it is for folks. And it's, and, and not even in terms of like, Here's what I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to say like all, like all the white people are freaked out. That's not what I'm saying. But part of why it is disorienting is because we never, almost ever, center blackness when it comes to public storytelling. What we tend to do is we give blackness its space in the context of a white narrative of America. And we're just not in a place to do that right now um, because it's not appropriate. I think that's also a prophetic movement. I think it's something that the spirit of Jesus is doing in America and particularly in the church is saying, Hey, let me, let me speak to you through the anger, through the movement, through the leadership, through the organizing of like black sisters and brothers of yours. And for a while, I want you to just pay attention and follow. This is not a time to lead, which is like, that's what's disorienting for me pretty much every time. Right. It's like, I want to, I want to lead. I want to do something with it. It's what I'm used to doing. It's part of my privilege. There's a problem. I've got the time, the energy, the money. I can do something about this. It's really disorienting, really disorienting as a white person, as a white male, as a person of privilege to not, to not be able to or be asked to, in a sense, to not lead. So I think part of, a large part of the particularity of the moment, yeah, it's louder, and to some degree, uh, there's more coverage. I think it's a far blacker moment. Uh, and I think that's really good for us right now. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you have much more patience than I do um, with, with people on social media. So I have, um, I've been surprised. Um, and obviously I, I realize that people wake up to their own privilege or to their own, or even to just the, the, the social structures and how there is injustice. There's, there's a, a pattern of waking up to that at different levels and at different times. So yeah. part of me is, is tries to remind myself that for the sake of patience and grace. Um, but I have uh, personally um, and our organization has been attacked um, for, and I'm sure you have too, for, for, you know, trying to be a voice towards justice and a voice towards peace and, and, and even a voice towards um, progress and movement. And, um, and there's a lot of resistance to that. So how, how can, (laughs) how do you guide people who are experiencing that resistance unexpectedly to, to find grace? Man, um, I'm working that as I go along. Um, I think there are a couple things, the more as principle, the, yeah, more about, I have, my thoughts here mostly have to do with posture rather than principle. So like, so the one is, I don't know that I have an agenda until my agenda is in conflict with someone else's. Mm. And uh, so I, you know, with regards to privilege, general privilege, specifically white privilege, maybe even white supremacy. Uh, I don't know that I'm in a system of white privilege or white supremacy until that is uh, confronted. Mm. And um, so that's been true my whole life. Um, And it's true for everybody. So it's not, uh, so part of it is like, I know that I have had, I've benefited from the long suffering patience of, uh, (laughs) of non-white, non-straight sisters and brothers who have said, we think you get this wrong um, and we've got time for you because you're worth it. And if, that, if, if I can get that from people who are actually injured by my missteps, uh, then I can certainly offer that to sisters and brothers who are more like me. So that's one. It's more of a posture. The other one is you need to talk about waking up. You know, my, <laughs> so I've got two kids now. My my daughter is three and my son is ten. Uh, my daughter wakes up at like five forty five or six, which is fine. I'm up before her, which is great. But she wakes up at five forty five or six, and she is ready for the day. Up, talking songs, stoked, ready to go, happy. Uh, my son. No, my son, the first, he does not, he does not love me. The first thing is, especially right now, cause it's summer. If I don't, if I don't try to wake him up, he won't. <laughs> yeah. like, he won't. like, I don't know what time, I swear to you, I have no idea what time he would actually sleep to. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I kind of want to figure it out. I'm, I remember, being, I remember being a kid, like 11, yeah. 12, and like sleeping and waking up. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't know. I want to let him do that, but I, I don't know. I don't know what time he wouldn't wake up. So here's, like, here where I'm going with this. Yeah. He wouldn't wake up unless I woke him up. Yeah. And he doesn't like it. And the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, he's not kind. 
uh, and he doesn't treat me like a friend, doesn't treat me like his dad, not like a friend, he doesn't treat me fr- kindly, doesn't treat me like his dad, he's disrespectful, he's not fully himself. Mm-hmm. So I gotta spend some time that like that. So some of the reactions that I've that that I get, and I'm not I'm not even threatening. I'm not a black radical. Like I'm yeah. I'm not a moderate either, but I'm not a black radical. So I'm not actually threatening in the ways that people you know recognize these things as threatening. But geez, um, a lot of what I'm watching, uh, I can receive as uh, people. Just like it's hard to wake up. You like the slumber, mm-hmm. and I totally get it. And I love you, and I've got patience for you. I love my mm-hmm. son, and I don't like that he swings at me with his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers right. me out. Violence, right. perpetrated <laughs> violence onto me, kiddo. Uh, I don't like that, but I got patience for him, and I understand not wanting to wake up. So some of it's that man. Um, we don't recognize the systems we belong to and are influenced by until those things are actually challenged. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult uh, to come to, especially as an adult. And that waking up process for some of us, it's not fun yeah. and it's not enjoyable. So for some of us who are trying to lead in this moment to have patience for folks who are like us, I'm not going to ask Christina Cleveland and Ben McBride to have patience for white slowness. Mm. It's not their job but it is mine. Mm-hmm. I can take it. I can, t- I can take the insults uh, from people whom I love and whom I know love me. Uh, I, can, I, I can take the, you know, the, the, yeah, I can take it. I can mm-hmm. take people not buying books and music from me because somehow like been conscripted by the, you know, the, the liberal America hating left. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, but I, but I can take it. And yeah. my job can take it and my career can take it. Mm-hmm. So if that's my job right now, that's part of my job. Wow. I will wait and I'll be patient and you can swing at me with your pillow or your saucepan and I will do the thing Jesus said, which is to turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Say, You're worth it. You are worth the injuries you cause me. And so are the, <laughs> so are the black sisters and brothers I get to represent in this conversation. What a privilege. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It suffered far worse. One of the things that I've really appreciated of you, not just this month, but really for years, um, and I just would love to get your thoughts on it, is you challenge pastors. And one of the ways that you challenge pastors is to hold loosely to even the topics you're talking about on a given Sunday, um, because if you just roll with the thing that you've planned six months ago, you may not be responding to like a movement of the spirit. So yeah. what are your thoughts on on just the way you communicate to pastors? Yeah. So uh, this is more meta narrative. Like we got to be able to see this right now as, as church leader types we have to be able to see this right now as church leader types that like everything about, not to some degree, I would say who we are, but definitely how we function is uh, challenged right now between uh, between the COVID-19 uh, shelter in place protocols uh, and the the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests like everything about what 
how we do who we are, how we communicate ourselves is being challenged right now. So the first thing is like, let's look past as best we can, not look past, let's look into the things that are happening and honestly seek out like, what is Jesus saying right now? Because I'm going to guarantee you in any one of these moments, I don't believe in a Jesus who says, Hey guys, big storm, just hold on. And we'll get, and we'll, on the other side, we'll, we'll get back to, we'll get back to business. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus in the storm was teaching the disciples mm-hmm. about their faith and their lack of faith. Jesus in the storm was bearing witness to who he was as a person. So what is Jesus doing right now? And who will we become on the other side? is isn't a matter of waiting till we're on the other side. It's a matter of like actually taking the moment in as the moment. So that's the first thing is like, this is your moment. This is, this is for you. Like this isn't for you to wait out. This is for you to bear witness to you, to pay attention to what does this say about you? Why aren't like, instead of being frustrated and I get it, instead of being frustrated that, um, black and brown sisters and brothers feel as um, comfortable as they do with the Black Lives Matter movement that like, depending on who you're talking to in our circles, Dave, like there are folks who are bummed out that some of their, you know, some of their cultural leadership have Marxist leanings. Mm. Okay. I hear that. I totally hear that. And I think that's a fair conversation to have. Like I'm not a huge fan of Marxism at all, but can we ask why it is that like, young young black and hispanic sisters and brothers why young people gravitate so quickly and easily to the black lives matter movement feel so comfortable there as opposed to coming to the evangelical church and saying can you help guide me through this they're not looking to me and people who look like me for leadership in this moment why is that and instead of making it a matter of like how awful the blm leadership or the the weird elements of its marxist centerpieces might be why don't we turn inwards and say like, what, so why aren't we trusted? Like, why aren't we the, pre, the why, why, like, what is it about us? Um, the thing, one of the things that distracts us from asking those questions is that we're locked into a particular way of doing who we are. That I don't have time to, I don't have time to figure out why it is that, that, black high school kids in the in Contra Costa County aren't coming to white church leaders to ask for guidance and help. I don't have time for that because I've got to get this serve the service put together for Sunday. Mm. Right. It's just too much of that. And that's not everybody. And that's not the whole of it, but that lies pretty close to the middle of what's happening here. And the other one is just like in these moments of heightened intensity, again, asking what Jesus is up to, I got to be ready to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we are locked into a way of, of doing who we are that, that prevents us from hearing him in moments like this. So it's not just about of like, hey, be flexible and be ready at all times to throw your Sunday thing out the window. That's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be so locked in to what you're doing that you're just ready to do it for 52 Sundays every year. And that what matters is that you put the time and energy into putting your Sunday service together. Mm. What matters is what Jesus Christ is up to. And if he's asking you to turn a corner, turn a corner. 
<laughs> I told you. Yeah, Justin McRoberts is a master communicator. So fun to, this is just the beginning of our conversation. And we already are swimming in the deep end of the pool. Uh, hope it's been an engaging start to the conversation. Um, we're going to shift gears pretty soon and listen to some of his new music that he's been uh, releasing just recently and his new project, Curse of the Faithful, which just released in early May. We'll, we'll ask him about that. Um, so stick around. Uh, and speaking of some of these issues of racial injustice that we've been um, discussing here on the show, uh, we actually did a podcast special just a couple of weeks ago called Celebrating Black Lives. We have some really thoughtfully uh, curated music um, from folks like The New Respects, uh, Tamala Man, Show Baraka, and more. And we also have some great interviews with Royce Lovett, Justin Gray, and my brother Michael Trout. You can check it out uh, on this podcast feed. Just look for Celebrating Black Lives. In case I forget to mention it later, Justin McRoberts is one of our current writers for Song RX, a daily dose of inspiration. He and myself and a few other indie artists pick out a song of the day, write some spiritual reflections on it and a, a piece of scripture, and send it to your inbox for free every single weekday morning. To receive that, you can sign up to our email list on the homepage at utrmedia.org. Okay, we'll be right back with more conversation with Justin McRoberts after this. This UTR podcast is sponsored by the new single, Pollyanna, by new artist Carly Tate. Pollyanna by Carly Tate is released in partnership with Renew the Arts and was the winner of the 2020 Breath and the Clay Songwriting Competition. Baby, I'm not supposed to be happy now, but I'm secretly grinning. Find the single Pollyanna by Carly Tate on Spotify and Apple Music. Did you know that UTR Media has three hand-curated playlists streaming now? The Heart, Soul and Mind playlist features over 4.5 hours of gourmet music from artists we love, new discoveries and rewind tracks. The Special Menu playlist is a timely and specially themed collection. And the 24 hours gourmet music is over 360 songs, literally 24 hours of UTR music. All three playlists are available now on Spotify, Amazon Prime Music, and at utrmedia.org. This UTR podcast is sponsored by the latest album from Yellow Hammer Hymns. Let's go up to the house of God. The 2020 self-titled album Yellow Hammer Hymns is a collection of original spiritual songs and modern hymns that will surely speak to the heart. Wake up, oh sleep, rise up from your grave. Find the new self-titled album by Yellow Hammer Hymns on Spotify or yellowhammerhymns.com. 
if if that wasn't enough, we also have a pandemic that <laughs> we're in the middle of. Um, so I, I guess I guess uh, I, I think I just want to check in on you and find out you know how you're doing, how your family's doing. Um, you know, obviously now what three months into this thing. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So I mean, you know, speaking of privilege, like we're fine mm-hmm. as a family. We're fine. It was. Um, it was easy for us to say, okay, I'm going to pull dates off the calendar and not travel. We're going to be here in our household together and not be outside much. Um, We live in a safe neighborhood. Um, I like my wife and my kids. We like each other. So it was pretty easy. I'm, I'm financially secure because God's been good. And the people who've supported me for two decades in music and books and shows and conferences have been kind and generous. Like we've been incredibly set up. We've also been trained for it. And so far as like we were talking about, you know, like pre podcasts that like I've been reinventing myself off and on 20 years. So the, you know, the notion that I've got to rethink how I'm going to do what I do. I do that every five or seven months. You know, when I turned, when I was in my mid thirties and I looked around, I was like, but bro, you're a 36 year old white guy. Uh, I don't think being a rock and roll guy is going to last in your fifties and sixties. So what are you going to do now? Like I had to revamp and get really serious about storytelling and advocacy and retreat leading and books and et cetera, that kind of thing. Like, and that's just an example among others, but like, I, uh, I've, we're we've been good um and it's been it's been a gift to us to recognize the goodness of god in our own household and recognize the goodness of god to us as a household which also means that it's a gift that we get to pass on other folks by adding support financially helping people out who can't make it uh Mm -hmm. or uh you know i coach pastors and and artists and so to offer free time to folks who are freaking out right now that they literally have no idea how to be who they're supposed to be in September and October, you know, like to spend some time with folks like that and to not charge normal fees. Like I can do that because I'm one, I'm culturally privileged and two, because God's been really, really good. Mm. So that's like, you know, that's how we're doing is actually we're doing, we're doing really well because God's been really good. It's great to hear, man. Thanks man. So uh, just last month, I can finally now talk to you about their, your album. You just released Curse of the Faithful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enough of this pandemic stuff. Okay. Uh, and you released that last month, um, yeah. which is a phenomenal, phenomenal record. And uh, what uh, I, know that, I know that the vision behind the making of this record um, is special to you and it even links to some personal tragedy like what what is sort of the the i you know just sort of the vision that before you even created it um yeah so um i um i wrote a piece um yeah young pastor in his 30s who ended his own life uh several months ago um he was a uh, tremendous communicator and speaker, uh, had a very healthy church life and wonderful family. And, um, he was also an advocate 
uh, in the direction of mental health issues and mental health in the church and spiritual practice. So it was a shock to a lot of folks. They're like, whoa, this guy, mm. like, you, he ended his own life. And in the light of that, like, it was a really good converse, cultural conversation around mental health and the church and Christianity and religion and like, doesn't Jesus heal everything? And how does that happen? And, you know, can you take your meds and be a person of prayer kind of thing? Mm. And I wrote a short piece, a little bit more of a poem about like, <laughs> part of the thing is, you know, for guys like Jared and others, like, I don't really know. Actually, I do know. I'm 99% sure folks just don't understand how hard it is to be a pastor. Mm. You just don't. Um, it's insanely difficult. And it's getting harder. It's harder than it was 20 years ago. It's way harder than it was 40 years ago. Mm. And it's going to be harder in five to seven years. And I wanted to put something together that communicated that part of my past. I realized that part of my past, that part of my life. I realized a little while ago because I would be at conferences and be speaking and teaching. And I would tell some story about church life. And folks would be like, you pastor a church? I'm like, yeah, I pastor a church. Because at the same time I started playing music, I planted a church with a friend of mine in Concord. California where I live and uh, it's been a significant in fact everything I've ever done musically is in some way tied anyways to who I've been here as a pastor and a member of the church community and so I wanted to do something that met the moment like we we're talking about meeting the moment earlier um it's hard to pee it's always been hard to be a, a leader in in a religious setting always it's harder now than it ever has been and it's just going to continue to get harder so I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm not yet a spiritual director, but what I am is someone who's been in it. And so what I could provide at least for the moment was a bit of catharsis. Hey, here's what it sounds like for this to suck. Mm. Here's what it sounds like to ask for help. Hey, here's what it sounds like to lament, actually lament and not like fakey lament where your third verse, like, like everything works out. Yeah. (laughs) Actually just to be like, this sucks. Also verse two still sucks. Verse three, it sucks. I hope it doesn't someday. Uh, I wanted I wanted to provide something that provided that gave a window into an actual human story of trying to lead, uh, trying to be a good brother, trying to be a good older brother, and trying to be a good pastor. Uh, making promises, breaking promises, having promises broken. I wanted to paint a picture like that. I felt like it was important. It was the, it was the record I would have loved to have had uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I made it for folks who might need it tomorrow. Yeah. So the, the title track of the album, Curse of the Faithful, you know, what became the title of the, the, the EP. Um, this I, I, the song is so interesting to me because it, it, uh, and I, I don't even know if, if I'm hearing what you're intending me to hear, but it seems like it's a song of empathy toward the plight of the non-victim because usually in the, in the story of tragedy or heartache, you know, the victim is the one that gets, you know, the attention is the centerpiece of the story and the non-victim has a cost as well to mm-hmm. investing their lives into helping that person. And to me, that's what I get out of it is just the, it's like an, a, a cry of empathy 
with the other side of the story. Is that what you were aiming for? Yeah, at least in part. I mean, yeah. it's been my, like, it's been my posture as a leader in general. Uh, it's been my, you know, it's been a strength of my leadership uh, when I've had strength in leadership. Is like, <laughs> I, I care about what's happening on the other side of the conversation. It's why I became a pastor. It's why I became a pastor to begin with. It was like, I actually... I want good for the people I'm in relationship with as a leader. Um, and it, it is, it is in all honesty, like it's a, um, how should I say this? I actually just wrote this uh, for, uh, for another song. Like it's a really unique experience of home. So we talk about church home. It's a really unique experience of home to, uh, to suffer injury, to need and want a place to talk about this injury, but to know that the place you want to go to talk about this injury and the people you want to go talk with this injury about are the people in the place where the injury took place. Mm. Like that's, that is a unique experience. It's it's one of the things that makes home home because it's one of the things that makes home hard. It's like, what did Bono say? You know, home is home is where the hurt is. Mm. Like in in the, I mean, in the song walk on brilliant. Uh, you know, brilliant lyric. Home is where the hurt is. Yeah. Uh, it's a unique experience of home to like to be injured by folks. And then the folks you want to talk to about the injury are the people who injured you. So I, I couldn't get into a record <laughs> about how hard it is to live as a pastor, to live in Christian community without starting off on a foot that says, you're, I'm not your enemy. You're not mine. Yeah. This is story to tell. But the houses that fell And the walls they left traps underneath Stood in their places With everything shaking and everyone else trying to leave It's some other story things that I love about the, the project as a whole is that um, at least when I listen to it, it has a specific arc to it, um, which is which in this culture of, you know, singles and, you know, like fractured albums and stuff, it's, it's nice and refreshing to have a project that seems to kind of t- paint a picture and tell a story. And, and I get... I mean, you, you literally have a reprise, the same, the same title track as a reprise w- with, a, with new lyrics that almost, you know, b- it begins at a place of like, um, you know, the, the helper f- feeling a plight in a way mm-hmm. to the point where that helper almost decla- declares, it's a, like a declaration of action that they, they now willingly want to invest, and 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 there's that journey through through the EP. So, um, yeah. can you can you just describe that <laughs> that that arc? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, and like, I, boy, I, I you know, 
especially in other phases of my life and career, like I wish I could write singles. <laughs> it would be yeah, so. Right. It would have been a whole different life, man. It would have been a different <laughs> thing and experience of, uh, of rock and roll and music if I was like a great writer of fantastic pop singles and church singalongs. I, right. if, if I could have, man, I super freaking would have. <laughs> I suck at it. I legit am not good at it. Once in a while, like I'll write something to you, like I remember that that lyric. Like you do. Uh, <laughs> I just like I, I, I like, honestly like I really do mean it. Like my favorite music for the most part uh, is like I love pop champs. Like it's my favorite stuff. I love it. You know, some of my best friends are like pop songwriters. Like um, I'm not good at it, so I like I, w- <laughs> I need to lean on I need to lean on my strength. So probably I don't even know. Like uh, like right before I guess like 2000 I guess 2006 or so I kind of quit on. Because I would try, I would still try to every record include as best I could, like some, like a pretty substantial bit of like pop sensibility and like a song or so that was like, yeah, yeah, pop oriented, like <laughs> right. the thing was, you know, <laughs> try to get some spins, bro. Uh, and like it never worked out. People were like, yeah, it's my least favorite song of the record. It's like, <laughs> right. Good. So like 2006, 2007, when I started writing the record Deconstruction, I just stopped trying to write in that direction and just lean on my strengths and just say, okay, I, what, what, what am I really good at? I'm better at like long form storytelling. I'm better at uh, like more like can opener type songs that kind of, they don't, they don't land the plane for you emotionally, but they help you stir your emotion. I don't help solve problems with songs. Like I love songs that help me solve problems. Huge fan. I just don't. Um, I don't cause problems per se, but I give permission to have problems. Like so. I, like, and so <laughs> this is a. I mean, this record is like it's it's a lot like those other. It's a lot like those other efforts. It's like that. Um, what I can do is provide more of a kind of a, a longer look, a kind of a deeper dive into a thing. Um, which is great. You know, like, I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be strong at that. Like it, be, yeah. it would be super great if there was like one track on this that like blew up on Spotify and everyone was listening to it because I had the gym. It's just not, it's just not a reality of my actual <laughs> talent level. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Justin McRoberts here on the season finale of season three of the Green Room Door podcast. I'm Dave Trout, and you know what? Seasons don't really matter in podcast world all that much, but who cares? It's just what we're doing. Uh, we we kind of have the traditional like school year type season for Green Room Door. We take um, a couple few months off in the summer to regroup, focus on a few other projects, and then uh, we get back into more artist interviews in the fall. And if you want to, in the in the you know time of the next few months, you could go back and revisit any of the episodes you missed. Just in this season alone, we have interviewed artists like Kevin Max, Jeremy Casella, Gloria Gaynor, Joel Ansett, Bretton Cox, James Duke, and we had 13 artists involved in our two-part pandemic special. So check out any of that right here on this podcast stream. Maybe right where you're listening to podcasts right now, uh, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and uh, the website utrmedia.org. We really need to give a huge thank you to anybody who's a part of the UTR support team. 
We could not be doing what we're doing, even this podcast, without your support. And you've really stood faithful with us. We're so, so grateful. Um, If you want to get involved, but maybe don't feel like you have the means to, uh, we know times are tight. We're we're still in a global pandemic. Um, And so I have five quick ways that you could support our ministry for free without it costing a dollar out of your pocket. Um, now, of course, we still do need financial gifts. So um, if, if maybe you're in a position to be able to, to give, that's still welcome. But here are five ways that you can support us for $0. Number one, you can rate and review this podcast or any of the UTR podcasts on the platform that you listen. Number two, you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. All of it is at UTR Media. Number three, when you see us posting something on UTR Media, you can comment, like, and share. It's super helpful. Number four, we have a survey that we are collecting right now just for uh, the next few days, actually. We're at the end of that cycle. Um, and your input's going to help us to do ministry better in the future. And uh, it takes about five minutes to complete the survey. And anybody that completes it will be entered into a drawing for a special prize. So the link for that is in the show notes, or you can find it at the homepage, utrmedia.org. Number five, we this is the first time we're announcing this. We haven't mentioned this yet, um, but we're going to allow you to donate your birthday. Okay, you've seen birthday... Um, fundraisers on Facebook. And and if you're somebody that already has an organization that you regularly support on your birthday, go for it. We're not trying to take away from anybody else's good work. But if you currently don't do that, you could actually sign up, donate your birthday to us whenever that is, do a small fundraiser on your birthday for UTR Media on Facebook. And just by signing up now, we will send you our brand new Keys for Survival t-shirt as a thank you for your uh, just pledge of support. Um, that is still uh, announcement on that is coming in the next couple few days, but uh, you could be first in line because we're going to only, I think we only have like 10 slots available. So, um, so those are five ways you could get involved and we're so thankful for everyone's uh, kind words and support as we continue to help you rediscover your soul connection to music. All right, we'll be right back with the conclusion of our conversation with Justin McRoberts after this. This UTR Media podcast is brought to you by the new single by Texas-based singer-songwriter Paul Deemer. Climb the tallest mountain in San Francisco Looking for a melody way up in the canopy The single On My Way Back Down by Paul Deemer shares how changing our perspective can expand our horizons. And you notice different things You notice different things You notice different things on the way back down On My Way Back Down by Paul Deemer is available now on Spotify and all music platforms. And look for UTR's interview with Paul at utrmedia.org. Hon, have you seen my toothbrush? Uh, yeah, I've been using it. You've been using my toothbrush? Yes, you've got a really good one. Wait a minute. You're telling me you've been brushing your teeth with my toothbrush? Oh, no. I've been using it to scrub the mold off the grout in the shower floor. What? Well, you don't expect me to use mine, do you? 
That would be gross. You are owned by God, set apart for His exclusive use. Are you? Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. One, one of the songs that I think, you know, as, as it seems that it could be a, a resonator for, for people in this moment, just the, the, just the social unrest, the pandemic, all that's going on is the song, but you called, hmm. could you, could you kind of share a little bit about that track? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I tell you what, I, what it came from. I, I, I get to be part of this thing called the good way, which is a, um, it's a spiritual formation cohort uh, for young life staff people. Um, so very much like pastors, young life staff persons and leaders give their time, energy, and lives away to, uh, to you know, spiritual formation. High school students, college kids, junior high kids, single moms. And the job is hard. Um, and the pay is not great. And so it's one of those, it's, you know, it's like being a pastor. And so the good way provides a spiritual formation place uh, for young life staff folks. And um, a lot of silence uh, on these retreats, uh, a lot of like, uh, like kind of digging into what Jesus is already doing in your own soul kind of stuff. So not a whole lot of like content, 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 but very much like, Hey, here's a tool to figure out what Jesus is doing in here. Mm. And the stuff that was coming out, uh, the end of year one, beginning of year two with some of the folks in this cohort. And these are people who are, you know, in their, you know, you had to be senior staff, especially at the time, but these are people who are in their fifties, some of them in their sixties, people who have been doing uh, vocational ministry work for some of them, 30, 35 years, uh, was that they were just, they're exhausted, tired, um, love the job, love teenagers, love Jesus, just so tired and feeling kind of beat up and, and, and so many stories in which they said, I'm so glad I got this email. I'm so someone reached out to me and told me about this. I'm so, I'm so glad someone asked me if I was going to do this. Like someone needed to come get me basically because I wasn't going to come do this on my own. And I recognize that narrative where like spiritual health, mental health, to some degree physical health. Like I, you know, you get into a mode and bro, I know you get this. You get into a mode where like part of your value system for who you are is, is your, is what your is what you generate. So generation being generative becomes definitive of my identity as a member of the kingdom, not even just as an American or, a, right. or like a cog in the wheel of the, of the U S economy, but as a member of the kingdom of Christ, I, it's so easy for me as a worker bee because I love my freaking job is to, is to, is to qualify my, my existence by how generative I am. Mm-hmm. And insofar as that's the case, then I recognize exhaustion. I, I recognize tiredness and I recognize injury as problems and obstacles that I need to somehow avoid, get rid of and deal with so that I can get back to work. Mm-hmm. And it literally takes someone else saying, Hey, I'm going to come get you. Mm-hmm. I would not have chosen it. I won't, I, you know, I given left to my own devices I will choose to keep working uh, at cost to my own soul because I naturally and by, and by training by our culture, I just naturally would rather lay myself down on the altar of ministry Mm. um, and help and just hope Jesus uses me up. Well, 
I needed someone to come and get me and say, hey, come out. Let's just go outside, take a walk. Hey, come on. Let's just be silent. Hey, take a day off every week the entire year. Pull 52 days a week, 52 days a year off the calendar and just give them to Jesus because you're not what you create in the world. I needed someone to come get me because I wouldn't have chosen it. And that's where the song comes from. It's like, I just watched this in people who were five, 10, 15 years my senior who wouldn't have chosen it unless somebody came and got them. And, you know, young life, other young life staff folks send them emails, say, I love you. I care about you. I think you're the crazy good at your job and you've changed the lives of countless teenagers. Um, come get healthy. They needed someone to come get them. So that's where the sun comes from. That's awesome. What is your hope for the listener who, who sits down and listens to, to it from front to back? Like, what do you hope they walk away with? Uh, like anything else uh, I do, I hope that it can, as a, as a tool or as a gift, uh, it can help unpack and touch on things in them that they maybe couldn't have got to otherwise. It's what great, it's what my favorite music, I would say great music, there's great music that doesn't do this. It's what my favorite music does for me mm. is it gets in here and locates stuff and then shows it to me. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. Or like, oh, that's awful. Why is that there? It just gets in me on unpacked. So I hope that it, I hope that it does that for folks is it provides language for shapeless things in them. And um, if I have a specific hope, uh, which I try not to have too many of these when I release art into the world, because then it's just really easy to be disappointed when things you really want <laughs> happen don't happen. Um, if I have a specific hope, it's actually that people who have relationships with cultural leaders, um, spiritual and otherwise, but mostly like pastoral, ministerial leaders, folks who have a relationship with pastors uh, and spiritual guides, um, develop a sense of um, humanity and empathy, patience and grace for folks in that position. Because it's just stupid hard. No one. No one prepares you and no one can prepare you for how hard it is, for how much it's going to cost you. If you do the job well, it just flat out will cost you more than you ever thought it was going to cost you. Yeah. So you can be told that. I can say that in the, you know, this conversation. But if you're a 26-year-old, you know, particularly, <laughs> probably different if you're a woman. But if you are particularly like a 26, 27-year-old white male and you're wrapping up that seminary degree and you're ready to go conquer the world for Jesus, uh, like I can't convince you of how hard that's going to be. Mm-hmm. I will say that you'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, it, when you get there, uh, I hope you're surrounded by people who get to say like, hey, bro, um, you might be drinking yourself to sleep five nights a week. And that's tough because your job's hard and we want to meet you in it because your, because your job's hard. Mm. And that's not a culture that you can develop if you're the leader of that tribe, because folks don't know how this be honest to receive leadership from folks who have deep human needs. <laughs> uh, we just don't know how to do it yet. We're bad at that as a culture. We're bad at that as Christians. We just don't know how to receive pastoral leadership or almost any kind of leadership by folks who have deep, human needs. So I'll do it from over here. I can be songwriter, author guy and say, yeah, a lot of pastors going to die 
10, 12 years before they're supposed to because they're not surrounded by people who love them. So if I have a particular hope, um, it's that folks who are in the lives of folks who are trying to run churches and start movements for Jesus develop a sense of empathy, humanity, grace, long-suffering on those other people's behalf. Nice. Yeah. So just a couple kind of closing questions. One is um, in the last, uh, you know, five years or so, you've written a couple of meditative books um, just to help people and guide guide people. Can you share a little bit about your, about these books? Yeah. So um, uh, Lent for a bunch of years, um, still to some degree, uh, a huge part of our church life here in Concord and the way we practice church um, communally and really specifically, it was a great way for us to connect with folks who, who weren't or aren't church people. Cause there's this thing that happens in America, kind of all over the world, but definitely in America during Lent, where like everyone gets a little bit religious <laughs> for a minute where it's like, we're going to quit chocolate or I'm going to stop drinking booze or I'm going to like stop watching TV or get off Facebook for 40 days. Everyone kind of, not everyone, a lot of people dive into the spiritual practice. And what I wanted to do, cause it's what I'm, what I'm best at vocationally is I wanted to provide language for that. So I just started posting these really short prayers to Twitter and Facebook in the language that was uh, less recognizably religious, not because I was masking it, but because, and you know, you've known me long enough, like it's actually what McRobert sounds like. Like language sounds weird in McRoberts' mouth. Um, And like, so like what's prayer actually sound like in my own soul, my own life. So I started sharing these prayers on Twitter and Facebook and the folks who resonated with it um, were like very much the hope that that hopeful crowd of folks like they don't attend a church. They don't trust it, but they really click with these prayers. So I did that for three years or so. And, um, and then I took my own advice, which was that like, you can do something on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and it carries a certain weight, but there is just a different cultural gravity to a book. Mm-hmm. Um, it just says something different. Uh, and I, so I wanted to put a book together and say, Hey, actually here's a way to pray. Um, and then I recognized that I didn't really have that. There was something a little bit missing. Uh, and I talked to Scott Erickson, um, at a conference called Jubilee up in Pittsburgh. And I said, Hey, I'm putting a book together. I really like what you do with visuals. Cause you do the same thing with visual that I'm doing with words, which is that I, you're not trying to solve problems. You're trying to stir things up in people's soul. Would you be interested in doing a thing? So I told, I, I sent him an email with like 20 of these images that he had already done. And I said, you know, I've paired these up. How does this feel? And he loved it. And I said, could you make 20 more? So he made 20 more uh, and we released it into the world. And uh, it resonated again with a, a lot of folks who don't have a regular church practice, don't have a regular prayer practice. And uh, similar to the last answer, it resonated with folks who have relationships with those folks. So it built some bridges and some language bridges for folks who like, they're kind of on the fringes with regards to religious culture. So we've done two of them now. The first one was called prayer 40 days of practice. The second one was called may it be so 40 days with the Lord's prayer. Um, and it's been a, it's been a joy. And you know, again, there's stuff we've been friends a long time, but like you do stuff uh, and you hope it works. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while you do something and you, and you have some pretty particular hopes about how it's going to land. And then it does almost exactly what you wanted it to do. And it, it's a deep confirmation. They're like, Oh, Jesus is live, still living at the heart of my work 
Mm. And those books are really encouraging to me, the way people respond to them, uh, because it's doing what it seemed like I heard the Spirit say the Spirit wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And is Amazon the best place for people to get that, or do you prefer a different route? Uh, I don't have a massive preference. If people like Amazon, uh, that's fine. I love for folks to go to heartsandmindsbooks.com and buy books from Byron Borger, okay. uh, the best bookseller in the country. Uh, he's also a dear friend, but he is a phenomenal bookseller. Um, so if you if you can, uh, yeah, that's yeah. my preference. Is, is like everyone knows how to click, 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 and yeah. go to Amazon. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but if it's up to me, go to heartsandmindsbooks.com and send Byron an email and say, I'd like to buy Jeff McRoberts books and uh, he'll take care of you. Cool. I'll, we'll link to that in the show notes so that people can just click, click, click and go right to, right to that. So that's good. Um, all right. Last thing. Yeah. What's, some, what's, some, what's some stuff you're geeking out over, whether it be music or books or film or just what oh, are yeah. some things that you're geeking out over? Uh, so, I mean, the simple one, um, it's that like, it's a little bit old and it's uh it, it, it's whatever but the uh my son and i just literally what's today so monday so yeah. saturday night finished watching the entire marvel uh oh wow know, movie series so from captain marvel to endgame and then we'll pick up uh spider-man homecoming far from home uh probably next week or whatever and just like what an what an amazing work from top to bottom just to weave 20 some odd films together with all yeah. the like really really uh, I, so that's been super fun um i've been i'm not usually like a huge coldplay fan but the the um is, i think it, the album's called everyday life is that what it's called uh the everyday life record the coldplay record it's a really really good record they're like there's some beautiful songs uh yeah. on record and then um i just picked up a book um called oh dang it i just picked up a new uh no i'll type this one it's a book called dragon hoops by a guy named gene Wen yang uh who is uh he's a graphic novelist and so it's a it's a really really thick graphic novel and he's he's my favorite writer period in the country he's just brilliant um, and so it's a great exploration of athletics and the U.S. history and the Asian experience of America. Great basketball references. So it's a great sports book. It's a comic. So if you're not a heavy reader, but also if you are a heavy reader, he's a phenomenal writer. So Dragon Hoops is awesome. Gene Luen Yang, L-U-E-N and Yang is just Y-A-N-G. He's great. Awesome. That's good yeah. stuff. Thanks, man. All right, man. Thanks, Justin. Really appreciate your time. This has been awesome to catch up and it's been great to to just get your thoughts on all this stuff. Congrats yeah. on a fantastic record too. It's it's amazing. Yeah, thank you. That means a ton. You listen to a lot of music, it always means something. If you think something I've done is worth it. Ah, yes. There it is. Our extended conversation with author, songwriter, speaker, pastor, Justin McRoberts. Oh, so good to um, have that conversation. Hope it was good for you to listen in. If you have any comments or thoughts, you can write us an email, greenroomdoorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet done so. And check out our other sister podcasts through UTR Media, including 
release date, good patron, and the gourmet music podcast. And we've got a little treat for you if you stuck around to the very end. Uh, we just a few minutes ago talked about the song But You Called, and we're going to play that song in its entirety right after the outro of the podcast. We're going to link to Justin's latest album as well as Byron the Bookseller if you want to buy um, Justin's books in the show notes for today's episode. So what's next for the Green Room Door podcast? Well, we are going to take a bit of a summer hiatus, uh, which is our tradition. That's why we call it a season because we sort of do have a a built-in break here. So this is the season finale for season three, and we'll be back in the fall with a bunch of new interviews with artists talking about making music and all that jazz. So (laughs) uh, we actually even have already started working on next season. We have a couple of interviews already recorded, so it kind of never stops on our side of things. So uh, this is also an opportunity for you just to play a little catch up. If you've missed some episodes um, in the past, you can, you can listen. Um, And of course, don't be shy about checking out the other UTR podcasts like Good Patron, the Gourmet Music Podcast, and coming very soon, the return of the release date podcast so uh, you might want to subscribe to those just so you see when a new episode arrives well thanks for hanging out with us and for all your love and support i'm dave trout and green room door is a production of utr media an independent listener supported nonprofit ministry in murfreesboro tennessee and online at utrmedia.org stick around for that song by justin mcroberts but you called coming up next I had